Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. All right. So here we find ourselves in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Let's dive in. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For things and all who are in authority that we may be may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would anoint the reading of your word. I pray that you would anoint me as an empty vessel, Lord. Speak through me, Lord. Give these people a word from you and not from me. Don't let me get in the way. Teach these people, Lord. I love you, my King. I ask things, things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point that stood out in this passage, let me set it up this way. I'm going to read. I'm going to change it up. Who do you pray for? And then this can be a rhetorical question, but if you feel like shouting out who you pray for, then then you can go right ahead. There's some people. There are some givens. You right? There are some people that you just. You just pray for. If you're a Christian, I'm going to pray for my family, right? I hope you're praying for me, your pastor. We pray for our loved ones, our friends. That's what we do. You know, every, every Sunday we come and ask for prayer requests, you know. That's, uh, that's become such a part of the church, that I fear that some sometimes we get caught up in, oh, let's get prayer requests done. It's just a time to get things off your chest. When, when we leave, we watched Overcomer not too long ago for our movie night. This man, he was a Christian, but the man that was talking to him didn't know that. He said he was going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for you. And then he came back to visit the next time and saw him. And the guy said, let me tell you, let me ask you this. 
When you said you were going to pray for me, did you? And the man just hung his head. Because it was a formality. It wasn't a heartfelt intention to pray for that man. It was something he said as a means to help him feel better. So many times in life we do things just because we feel better when we say it. Or we want to sound more spiritual or whatever the motivation may be. We say, I'll pray for you. And then nine times out of ten I've, I've found we don't do it. I had a very good friend of mine and he's probably listening. Tell me one time. He said, when somebody asks you to pray for them. Do it right then. He said, drop everything and pray for them right then and there. He said, first off, that helps you because you don't forget. Second, it shows them that you've actually done it and that you care. And that praying for them is more important than whatever you have going on. I love that. Paul is encouraging Timothy, exhort, first of all. Now, this is the, this is the thing that we, we neglect, isn't it? What comes first in our lives is oftentimes not prayer. When I first wake up in the morning is the first thing that comes through my head. Oh, God, thank you for another day. No, most of the time it's, uh I don't want to get up. Or the past, the last two days of the week, I was very aggravated because I had managed to sleep through my alarm two days in a row. And I'm telling you, I had that thing blasted. And Erica and I both slept through my alarm. So oftentimes the first thing that we think of is not, thank you, Lord, for another day. It's, here we go again. And then we just go on. Do you start our day with the Word of God? No, we often start our day with misery. Oh, I got to do it again. And how many of you all know that the way that you start your day sets the mood for the rest of the day? And we have a raise of hands. The way that you start your day will definitely... I mean, there are times where you can turn things around. If you're determined enough, you can shift that thing into another gear and you can start going anyway and things start getting better. So many of us make that a daily habit, don't we? Uh, gotta grind them gears and get going. And then we finally get going and we're, okay, I'm coasting. I'm good now. <laughs> All y'all looking at me like, you 25-year-old, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're talking about yet. Hmm. 
start our day with the Lord, the Holy Spirit. Change your life. So many of us have to start our day with something else and then God's, then we're ready for God. Paul says, he said all these things about fighting a good fight. And then he tells Timothy, he said, before you do anything else, before you do anything, first of all, exhort that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Firstly, I want to point out that The first things first is prayer. If prayer is not the centerpiece of your entire life, things will fall apart. Prayer is the centerpiece of the spoke of the wheel, if you will. Without the centerpiece, the whole wheel is going to have no integrity, no strength. It'll fall apart. what holds everything together. Watched a video one time of a guy driving down the interstate and his old wheel fell off. You know, have y'all seen that? Probably not in person, I don't know. Some people, Shannon, you've probably seen it in person. You've seen everything. Mm-hmm. Not everything? A lot of things I want to forget. A lot of things you want to forget, I'd, I'd say so. Driving down the road... And I saw a video of it. This guy, his wheel completely came off. Just rolled on off. Bounced up and hit some windshield and caused a lot of damage. Why? His lug nuts were loose or something. But the, the integrity of the wheel was not there. The thing that held the wheel together, that held the wheel on there, was not there. So it came off. So many of us are driving down the road without the integrity of our wheels. And prayer, my friends, and Paul is in agreement with this, and I'm in agreement with Paul. I should put the things the other way around. He came first. I agree with him. Prayer should be the centerpiece of everything that we do because without prayer, there will be no church. There will be no life in the church. It's the same thing with Erica and my marriage. If there is no communication, the marriage will fall apart. Will fall apart. If I don't talk to Erica on a daily basis, we we recently went over our calendars. Did you know we had two separate calendars? And we finally decided, let's merge our calendars. And wow, what a gift that's been. We've been on the same page all week. What a gift. You guys are 25 years ahead of us. I mean, it's amazing what can happen when you communicate. The wheel of our marriage is rolling perfect. Whoa! It was great this week. 
All because we decided, let's communicate, what are you planning on doing this week? And let me write it down so I don't forget. Let me, let me, my mom, praise the Lord for her. She got me this little pocket calendar. And I, man, what a gift. Saved my life several times. Not life, you know what I mean. Saved my hide several times, we'll say that. Communication is essential to survival. If we're in a war and we don't have contact with the general, you're not going to know what's going on. We've got to have prayer in our daily lives or it will fall apart. First and foremost, Timothy. First and foremost, church, prayer. And the second point I want to make, and this was going to be my first point, so let's tell you, I'm off to a good start. (laughs) Starting my Sundays with donuts is not a good idea. I snuck one after. <clears throat> it's a wonder I'm not a diabetic. Anyway. Cookies and cream cake last night. I work hard. <laughs> I earned it. No, I'll, I'll burn them calories off for sure. Anyway. The second point I want to make here is that he says, pray, do these things, exhort, supplications, giving thanks. And intercessions. And this word tears me up. All men. And that word man is not just Men, it's the, it's all. It's a generic statement. In other words, he says, pray, exhort first that supplications or pleas to the Lord, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for everyone. And that's hard. There's some people in my life I don't want to be thankful for. There's some things in my life that I don't want to say, God, thank you. There's some times where I've told God sarcastically, thank you. Thanks for that. The first thing I can think of, I was a little kid. And I, uh, I had just got done reading a psalm, and it was a psalm of lamentation. And if you don't know what that means, it was a psalm where David was complaining, and he had some things to complain about, I'm telling you. But me, I was about 13 years old. I didn't have much to complain about. And I decided I was going to be like David and start complaining to the Lord. 
God, why do you do all this stuff? And I remember I was swinging on the tire swing. I mean, good grief. There's some things I could be thankful for at that time. Swinging on the tire swing that I had in my massive backyard that our grandfather, my grandfather had given us this house. Surrounded by the blessings of God, complaining about something that did not matter. And I remember I was sitting there and I don't know how it happened. Well, I do know how it happened. I don't know what God did to make it happen. Next thing you know, I was on the ground with no breath. God had knocked me on my back. Because I was sitting there complaining and the message rang through loud and clear. Hush. And I remember thinking, thanks. <laughs> and so many times I go back to that time in my life where, and now God has done that, you know, more than one occasion. Not necessarily to that extent. There have still been times where I've been doing things and I'll like, my hand will slip and I'll hit myself in the head. You know, and it, it's usually something where it's like, I've been talking to the Lord and I'm complaining about something. And it's like, I don't know. God just speaks to me that way sometimes. He'll say, wake up, man. Look around, see what you're doing, see where you're at. And stop complaining about this little thing that doesn't matter. Let's bring it back to the text. God is calling us through Paul. You may not like that person. You may feel like that person is an instrument of the devil in your life. But Paul says that we should pray for all men. Everyone. Why? I'm so glad Paul gives his explanation on why. Because if he just left it there, I don't think many of us would follow it. Jesus said something like this, pray for those who curse you. Do good to do, do good to those that harm you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. I misquoted that. It's in Matthew chapter 5 if you want to find it. Why? Can anybody tell me why? Maybe, maybe I'm preaching to some people that are ahead of me spiritually. Why would Paul say, pray for all men? Pray for them all. I love your brother as yourself. Yeah. Such were some of we. And as you put out, you receive. Yeah. I see that Whatever you sow, place. you shall reap. Yeah. They deserve God's protection also. They're just as deserving as you are in me. 
Paul says this. For this is a good and acceptable. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men. I'll say that again. Who desires all men. To be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm often reminded that it could have been me. It could have been me. Under different circumstances, it could have been me. But for the grace of God. So when people seek your harm, and Timothy was witnessing this firsthand, mind you, There were some people that sought his life in his own church. There were some people that didn't like him very much at all. They wished him harm. Paul said, bathe it in prayer. And you may not want to, but pray for the... And this is something that that we like to think about anyway, doesn't it? There's a whole song dedicated to this. I pray for you. Have y'all heard of this song? It's called I Pray For... Yeah, Asher said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. There's a song called I Pray For You. It came out quite a long time ago. Not a long time ago, but it came out when I was a teenager. It said, I pray for you. I pray your brakes go out going down a hill. You know, I pray your flower pot falls off a windowsill and hits you in the head. You know, I I pray for you. He's like, yeah, my mom always said I need to pray for those who do wrong to me. So I pray for you. And how many times have we caught ourselves doing that? Oh, God, can you just teach him a lesson? But Paul's not telling Timothy to pray for that. He's saying, pray that good. Things come to them. Supplication. Supplication implies nourishment, food. Prayers, we know what that is. A plea. Intercessions. It's coming to God on behalf of someone else. Giving thanks for all men. How hard is it to say, God, thank you for allowing me to be in this person's life who's just using me. They don't care about me. God, thank you 
for putting this person in my life so maybe I could be a light to them. See, Timothy is facing a hard row. There's some people that don't want him there. There are some people that are despising him because of who he is and where he came from. Paul says, pray for him. Don't pray for harm. Pray for good. Pray that the Spirit of God would overpower them and take over their life. Why would Paul say this? Here is the final point, and I've got five minutes to make it. Six minutes according to my recording, but I don't think that's true. Paul said this because he was a result of this. How many of you remember when we were talking about Paul in Acts? Does anybody remember what Paul did before he became a Christian, before his encounter with Christ on what is it, the Damascus Road? Does anybody remember what he was doing? He was killing them. Taking them and bringing them in as prisoners. And, and I don't know if he was necessarily the one that was doing the killing, but he sure was overseeing them. He oversaw the stoning of one of the disciples. Of Stephen. He actually held the coats of the ones that were stoning him. Held the coats. And he would go in and find the Christians in other places and, okay, these people, these people, and they're like, yeah. Go get them. He was one of the most zealous in that work. He went in and he took people who called themselves Christians and he turned them in. To go to prison or to be stoned. That's why Paul said in verse 15 of chapter 1 that it's a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He believed in himself. I am the worst of all because I put hundreds, if not thousands, to death. Paul is saying, pray for all men, even your enemies. Pray that God would come and overtake them in their hearts and save them. Because he said, look at me. I was killing you and now, look. I am a preacher to the Gentiles. I'm called. And he didn't know it then, but he was probably one of the most influential of the disciples, most influential apostles. He wrote the most books in the New Testament. Paul. He was a changed man. Why was he a changed man? Because the church was faithful to pray for him to receive the Spirit of God to be changed. Not for his demise, 
my friends. Christ died and he rose again for me, for you, for those in authority over us. For those we don't like. For those who wish us harm. This is kind of pointing back to what we talked about earlier. Know who the real enemy is. The people are not our enemy. Do we know that? The devil. Our adversary, the devil roams to and fro about the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Those that we come in contact with, and he loves nothing more than to deceive us into thinking that that person is the enemy. They're deceived. They don't know. They're deceived. God calls us through Paul. Pray for them. Do good to them that curse you. What did Jesus also say? He said, if if somebody comes and steals your garment, give him two. Give him your tunic too as well, right? And that's the equivalent of us saying, If someone comes and steals your jacket in the cold, give them your shirt too. Now, women, I don't advise you to do that. Please. That's a metaphor. When someone takes something from you, Our first instinct is often to lash out. To wish that person harm. But we know as Christians who the real enemy is. That they're a slave to sin. That person. Is not the enemy. Pray for them, that they would be free. And maybe, just maybe, God will use you to bring freedom to them. Because my friends, there are a lot of people in this world that may seem like they're our enemy. They oppose us in every way, and we don't want to pray for them. We don't want to pray for God to bless them and show, him, show them his power and his strength of what he can do through them. But that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do. And that's what Paul is telling us to do. Be different. If somebody's just riding you hard and, and just really 
getting on your nerves. What's the best way to come back at them? It's not to lash out and do the thing that the enemy wants you to do. Pray for them and be silent sometimes. God will give you an opportunity to show them true kindness, true love. This is a difficult saying. Difficult teaching. Easy to say and hard to do. The lesson here today is pray for them that wish you harm. Don't pray for evil to come upon them. Don't pray for harm. Pray that God would reveal himself to them. Pray that God would reveal himself to us. That he would empower us with his love and his kindness to do that. That would be a gift. Pray that God would give us patience to deal with those who get on our nerves. And love and understanding. That if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be the same an instrument of the devil. But for the grace of God, so are we. And my friends, if you are in that boat, I don't know. I don't know your hearts. I don't know where you're coming from. If you are one of those people who's deceived into thinking, I'm all right, I'm living fine, I'm doing good may very well be paying, playing part in the plan of the devil. My friends, be sure that you're on the right team. If you don't know what team you're on, you're on the wrong team. I promise you. When you're on God's team, you'll know. John said it this way, First John 5.13 These things have I written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. I hope you know. hope you know what team you're on. If you don't, I'd love to pray with you. Help you to know how to get on the right team. Because it's worth it. It doesn't promise that things will get better, but he does say you're not alone anymore. And there's a lot to be with that. A lot of things that come from that. That's a blessing. You're not alone. What a gift. If that's you, I encourage you to do that today. Do we have an invitation song? If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 5th Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427.